hey, this is cool. This is going to be a big hit. I would be like the singer at a jazz club next to the piano. That was the first time that I was like, wow, I can do it. He's so emotional and so raw and so real with how he delivers his music. 13-year-old me, rock and roll. I came out of the session and went, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the sound. She was so real. When she'd be rapping and singing, it felt like he was kind of at the church again. Hello and welcome to What Did I Say, where we talk with artists about the songs they made, songs they like, and the songs they'd like to have made. It's an inside look into the craft of songs from the artists themselves. 2019 proved to be a banner year for acclaimed genre-hopping trio Arizona. It would mark the continuation of their arena tour as they opened for Panic at the Disco around the world. It would be further highlighted by appearances on the Coachella main stage and headlining dates across Europe and the United States. And it all culminated with their second full-length album, Asylum, which dropped in October and is the follow-up to 2017's Gallery. Getting you prepped for what's sure to be further success, we invited Arizona to our podcast studio to tell their story. Nate, David, and Zach talk early music loves. They discuss how the song Cross My Mind was a breakthrough for the group. And perhaps most importantly, they explore how they're maintaining artistic authenticity within this rise. Let's take a quick listen to their track, Find Someone, as we get into the conversation. start with this uh tell me about your first favorite song under it's only chasing safety was like a huge album for me and my favorite song off that album was always young and aspiring either that or dangerous business those two songs i played on loop just hours and hours and hours dangerous drum business has some of the best drum calls of all time oh dude i still give it the stank face every time it comes (laughs) in you can ask him about it (laughs) (laughs) i think um growing up like i only listened to like really conservative christian music so like the first time i heard like kirk franklin like, I was obsessed. Like, Stomp was just, like, on Makes repeat. Because that was, like, the first thing that I heard that had, like, big beats like that. And, like, everything else was kind of, like, this cheesy sort of CCM-type production. And and then when I finally, like, my parents were like, you can listen to the radio on your own. Like, then I started listening to, like, Hot 97 and, like, Funk Master Flex. And it was over. Game over for me. Air horn. Yeah. Exclusive. If you're in New York City broadcasting area, eventually you're going to turn that dial and you're going to go, what the hell is this guy doing? There's all these sounds. And yeah. <laughs> he, starts a, he starts a song over, like, 12 million times. Like, what the heck? Well. <laughs> BX. We gotta run this one back. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuckmaster Flex. Fuckmaster. <laughs> just the explosion that lasts for 19 seconds. Yeah. Just killing time. Just got back from the John. Just getting settled in the seat. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's broadcast, guys. You got windows. You got to take them when you find them, you know? <laughs> My favorite song, as it stands, is kind of an interesting question because I grew up with a bunch of different stuff. But I think it's really just more of an album. It was the Best of Chicago album. And it had, you know, just all like the right up the middle Chicago songs. And that was like my my dad's sort of doing, you know, that was like his CD. And I loved that. Hard to say I'm sorry, you know, Color My World. 
the biggest wedding song of the 70s probably or whatever you know stuff like that old days just like you know saturday in the park like all that that whole sort of original og best of stuff from chicago was it for me and also like booker t and the mgs had a really good best of album that was really cool like green onions was on that that was like a big vote of was it what is it uh vonage I think commercial had the green onions in it, you know. Those two albums where I, I grew up listening to those, those were super tight. And then Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, just because it's like the best song ever written. So, yeah. So, seriously, it's a so, lot of different stuff. Somebody pointed out to me that, like, if you look at the charts at that time, it was the most vapid lyrical thing. And then you get that song, and that was what really made it stand out so much was like you get real lyrics when everybody's just singing like I'm begging girls woo yeah I think you know what it is for me like that that's the only song because we're so close to music that we only find moments that people tell us that we give them in our own experience right so like our songs to us never hit us the same way that people tell us that it affects them they're like yo this song was this to me and it's so this and it's so that and you're just like yeah no i mean it it definitely meant a lot to us as well but it's never going to connect with us on a level of that degree of separation whereas in like for me at least you know like that tracy chapman song is a song that i heard and i'm like wow this is my life this is literally my life it makes you so connected to it and i'm like that's what that feels like and that's what we do sometimes people and like wow that's insane you know so it was a cool point of reference but it's good to find that in in, in music it's a really interesting question first favorite song shapes you a lot it, it does. does it, it does. does you'll hear stuff sometimes and you're like oh that's where i got some of that influence from wow interesting yeah i'll see that thing like a, you know they're now saying like you are who you are at eight years old and then you think about like okay well how old was i with this thing and like am i still holding on to things like i think like guns and roses was for me i'm still holding on to something yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, st- I still got an attitude problem <laughs> so how about the first song though that compelled you to like be like okay i need to figure this out and figure out how it works musically do you guys remember any of that stuff funny enough i was playing it earlier like one of the first songs that i heard i remember hearing and being like wow i need to learn this i need to learn how to play this style of guitar and learn all about that was kansas dust in the wind that song like really really pushed me to get into more like finger picking and explore that side of guitar a lot more prior to that i hadn't even thought about playing with anything other than a pick for me, it was a Rammstein album. I don't know if it was one album, but it was a few, like around like when they were doing sort of old, sort of heavy kind of German band or whatever that was really popular for a long time. Like, And I feel like it was like semi-popular, right? For oh, people yeah, who, we, yeah, we all know who shouldn't, who shouldn't have really known who they were, kind of knew who they were, because they were just massive, right? For like a small period of time, I guess, in a, in a larger market than was just theirs. You know, it's weird. I never really got into them because I was like a Rammstein fan or anything. Like one of my friends played me one song and I got into the rest of their stuff. And the way that they mixed like live sort of elements and it was really heavy and and really tight but with so much of like the synth stuff it was just nuts that they had this weird it was like kind of it was kind of like the american sort of rock in one way it was kind of like i guess really heavy in another way and then they also had like this kind of euro dance thing every now and then in it you know it was like a nice mix of live and loose and crazy but also really tight and kind of dancey and kind of electronic like it was really interesting to me at that age so i I wanted to learn more about producing and and how they put sounds together you know what i mean i think that's one of the big ones it's funny you're saying that because like i can remember going back and hearing that record again and being like oh these are the synth patches skrillex heard for like nice sprites and like brought on that dubstep yeah that's actually like the template that kind of brought in that and like 
I'm like, oh, those tones were Rammstein. Yeah, dude, like mm-hmm. Zehnzucht and like all that other stuff, man. Like just the weird, like bendy leads and sin stuff and the growly stuff that was happening and going on. It was just like, I don't know, from my younger brain that was interested in music, I heard that and I was like, shit, that's pretty next level. And I don't even know where these dudes are coming from right now. Like it was pretty crazy. Yeah. For me, it happened backwards. Like, I always tinkered with the radio at home and, like, in the car. It was always the technical that drew me first. But, like, now, like, when I produce now, I, like, kind of reverse analyze it. Like, I grew up with that. It was all, like, late 80s, early 90s, and they all came out of, like, the same studio in Nashville. And they, But they were the huge sounds. Like, the songs themselves might have been, like, cheesy, but, like, production-wise, they were super on point. And, like, that kind of carried its way merging with the technical because like when I started producing it's like naturally I went to those tones and like went to that like wide epic uh, we say a lot like expensive sounding uh-huh. necessarily like I think my dad was a tinkerer and I was always breaking his radios and like it was more of like a technical thing first for me and then it became musical mm-hmm. like because my music then like I was stereotypical Asian parents living vicariously through you so like I was playing classical piano. So it didn't even cross my mind like I could get into music. But all that stuff kind of informs how, you know, I'm producing today. How about a song, no matter how many times you hear it, you have to, like, stop what you're doing and, like, take it in? Oh, jeez. <laughs> like I said, these are yeah, hard you said, you said this wasn't going to be a difficult... Uh, <laughs> you said no one was crying today. <laughs> um, any of that Chicago album for me is pretty, like, walking through Walmart and you hear it and you're like, stop. And you're like, what, is they playing? Fuck yeah, they're playing Chicago. For me at least. That and maybe some Kill Switch. How about the most recent song you discovered and then you started just texting people like, you gotta hear this. There's this band Slender Bodies that I've been super big on. I've been telling all my friends about them. They're super dope. When I first heard um, Tova Sturke, she opened for Lord recently here in the States. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's Scandinavian something Nordic I don't know but her brand of pop is so pop um and production wise it was so clean but different that I was obsessed like it's still probably one of my like I just repeat 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 and I had to send it out to people because like she was doing stuff like kicks were like not center they were just wide because like I do this thing when I listen to records and I like I like cancel the phase and I make it mono so I hear what's going on on the wow, side. You're really getting into it. And yeah, like yeah. I heard like all this like cool synth stuff and then boom, just like on the chorus like kicks and I was like, how did they do that? That's phenomenal. Like only on the sides, but still retaining it in the middle. And I was perplexed. So like I had to like reverse engineer it. Black Light Smoke is a banger factory. Firefly by Black Light Smoke is pretty tight. Is it uh, is it Kill the Noise? It does. I do Coke. Yeah, the... it's Kill the Noise. Yeah, that's another, that's a really good... That, that was definitely one where, like, we were sending that to everyone. Yeah, that's a crazy record. It's, like, it's like dancey shit, but, like, it's, um... It's, like, dirty. I do coke. Because I work. Or something. Yeah, Now that you say that, I've heard Yeah, no, it's fucking, it's so good. Play a lot of Rocket League to that playlist all fucking day. Oh, yeah. How about a song that gives you goosebumps every time you hear it? For me, it's that Tracy Chapman song. I kind of give multiple like multiple records that were kind of my favorites, yeah. but now for yeah. breaking it out into like why and like what they are, I think the the one that hits me emotionally probably the most is is the is Fast Car, yeah, for sure. There's a the song "Real Love" by Big Thief. The guitar solo in that sends chills down my spine every single time. 
Like, it's like everything I think a guitar solo should be. Like, it's not flashy, it's not showy, but it's so emotional. And it just grabs your heart and, like, rips it out. Love that. That is true. The biggest thing people get wrong in music is uh, not figuring out how to make the guitar solo emotional. It's like, oh, I'm just going to play the melody or oh, I'm going to show off. It's like, no, how about emotion? Well, they just don't do them anymore, which is why we try to do them a lot, you know? <laughs> a lot more guitar solos on this next album. Yeah, more guitar solos, please. Please say a Ja Rule song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, always on time. Uh, <laughs> no, what's the... Uh, the band is Daughter yeah, ja Rule. Landfill? Uh, sounds right. Yeah. Uh, it's horrible that I don't... I just cry the whole time every time I hear yeah, it. Yeah, mm, yeah, wait, I know the, I know mm, the one. Yeah, yeah. I cried to Ja Rule too, dog. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You cried all through all through Fire Fest documentaries. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Who didn't? You know what I'm saying? You know, you, Shame. You know I was inside you a Fire Fest tent. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I went to this party, and it was like one of the Grammy parties in LA, and they had a Fire Fest tent there just hanging out. Yeah, nice. You, you, you nice. could definitely get a FEMA tent online. Were there were some were there some some cheese sandwiches there? Is that? There was not. I was very disappointed in the lack of cheese sandwiches. Fuck, that's right? what everyone was asking about. They're like, "Yeah, where's the cheese it's sandwich?" Not a fire fl- it's not a, what is it? A fire festival? <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it's not a fire fest exhibit. Was there, no was there sandwiches. an Evian water bottle station? Uh, was could... there an Evian water bottle station at fire? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, Damn. God. Yeah. You know, really? you know what you should do really, and if you're listening now on the podcast, watch both Gotta documentaries watch simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the whole picture. Uh, simultaneously. This is not like Wizard of Oz and uh, Dark Shadow. No. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> well, if you watch one in reverse and one in regular speed, they actually like sync up so it looks like you're watching the same movie. I mean, I mean, basically, <laughs> one of them is the other one in reverse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, how many ways can we make a documentary? <laughs> According to them, too. So. <laughs> it does show you what a good documentary and bad documentary making is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about, like, you guys' music. What was, like, a song that you guys really, like, okay, we've made a turn, our music is taking a step up? I, I think probably the first. Well, I th- making I think, a song, period? <laughs> well, yeah. I think there was something special about, like, when we finally, like, put together Cross My Mind. yeah. Like, yeah. more so than the others, yeah. at least for me. That one for us was, like, I think one that we all, like, really, really worked together on. Yeah. At the same time. And, like, it was one that came easy. It's one that felt right. Yeah. And it's one that we never questioned. It feels yeah. like home. Yeah. It, that, that one sort of made us actually take the turn of saying, oh, you know, we kind of feel like a, a band right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, where Dave and I began this answer on, on, a, on a different sort of note was, I think, you know, we spent so much of our lives working in lots of different media, but mainly music as a, as a thing that we were just producing and writing for everyone else. And, you know, we had somewhat of a life there. When we hit a sort of brick wall there in our life, we decided one night to stay late in the studio in L.A. It was Nate and I when we were living out there. This was maybe five years ago now. And uh, Dave was back on the East Coast. And we stayed late one night after working on some uh, ungodly project. or I don't know, just some, uh, whatever it was at the time, just trying to keep the lights on. And it was like, you know, you just, you just spend every day, um, you, you know, just punching Pro Tools in the face until it spits out something that can pay your rent, you know? And like, yeah, it was difficult. So one night we stayed late and we, we made a, a jam for fun. Uh, it turned out to be Let Me Touch Your Fire, which is an Arizona song now, but we sent it to Dave and Dave was like, oh, this is really cool. What's this for? We didn't really know what it was for. We just made it for fun. So um, at some point we 
decided that it would be fun to make more of those, you know, in quotes and in some kind of FaceTime conversation. Like, like what? Like a band? You know what I mean? Like for a bunch of kids that were just producers, like it was a stupid idea. And uh, that was even said to us a bunch of times. But it was, I think, the first time in a long time, or if ever, honestly, really, that we had got together and said, like, let's take this thing we're doing and maybe not just direct it outwards and just throw it out into the world. Let's just keep it for ourselves for just like a second and make some music just for ourselves, by ourselves. It's just us doing it, and it's for no reason other than to have fun, you know, with our best friends, you know, because we've been friends for years and years and years. So um, that song, I think, was like, we heard it, and we actually fucked with it. We were like, this is tight. We did this, and it's just us, and we kind of have a project, and it's kind of fun, and it's kind of cool. But then, yeah, Across My Mind is when, because we ended up finishing Let Me Touch Your Fire when we got back together, you know, after being on separate coasts. But Across My Mind, we were together, kind of kind of made made it, it was the first one we were like, oh, that's a jam. Like, it was actually know, like, the trip. Of... We had flown on to L.A. When we first to met to talk Atlantic. to yeah. Atlantic. It was September 9th, 2015. 15, yeah. 15. yeah. We, we were also in a place where uh, with uh, with PJ, our our mentor, he's going to hate that. But he hates that. Whatever. Word. It makes me so <laughs> fucking old. Just, you know? is, this, is, this, is this a toilet paper story? I, I oh, we, we, we were like in a weird spot with him because like – when they left LA and like he was kind of like salty about it, whatever. And like we've always been like super like, at least for me, like I'm always like need to be super respectful around PJ. To the we point, grew up, we grew up with PJ. He's essentially our older brother. But when we were in LA, he was like our boss. We like yeah, ran yeah, his yeah. studio and like worked on his projects with him and stuff. And then we dipped and then started a band. And then it became this thing, and he was like, "Yo, like I know I said it was kind of lame at first, but like some of this new stuff is kind of cool." Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what are you guys doing? But, like, even when like he let us crash to like Atlantic put us up for like the first two nights, and then he let us crash at his spot yeah. so that we could extend house. our trip. And like he like ran out of toilet paper. We had a session at APG, and like at the end of the night, I was like, "Guys, like there's no toilet paper." And we're all like, who has money for toilet paper? And we're and all like, none of us had money for toilet paper. <laughs> so, so we go to the bathroom at APG and we took we like stole, a bunch of rolls. We stole two rolls of toilet paper from APG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Mike, if you're listening, we'll promise we'll repay your toilet paper one day. Yeah. 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 That was the first song where we all finally kind of just like we were hanging got out that back weekend, to where yeah. we were like family. Yeah. yeah. You know? I think that's really what made it special. How about First time you hear your song in public unexpectedly. Oh, this is actually a great story. I hate this. Why? <laughs> this happened to me recently. Oh, yeah, but the first time it happened, remember we The first time it was awesome. Okay, so... Wait, was I there? Yeah, yeah H&M. So we're shopping for the Cross on My Music video. Got canned. Which, Don't look for it. It's which is... Out. Never got released, yeah. but... Oh, I forgot that that happened. We were at the cashier. And yeah. The dude yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. And so we're like in H and M. We were asking him if they ever hear the song because we like hear from all our friends. Yeah, yeah always he playing. was like, "Oh yeah, like you he's like, yeah, band. I, and we're like, yeah, one of our songs is it plays in here quite a bit. Yeah, like, do you it know, goes like yeah. this, yada yada, and then boom, like it plays, and then we're like, <laughs> as we were talking, and he was like, and he was like, oh yeah, maybe I don't know, I don't remember. And he kind of puts his head down and starts ringing stuff out and demagnetizing shit. And we're going for our wilds and it's like an awkward sounds, and then like it just comes on on the radio, and we look up and we were like, oh dude, this is it. And he was like looked up and he was like holding like the like the shirt he was holding. He looked down. And he was like, "What? What? This? What?" And I was like, "No, no, no, no! The song that's playing right now." Yeah. Is and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah this is you guys. Yeah, yeah. I hear something like ten times a day." Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. and he was like, "Cool, I'll be forty-seven, eighty-six. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's different when you're like in a store. Like I was walking through Garden State Plaza. I was just like 
in the corridor. Yeah. And then it came up like super echoey and you could hear that it was like in the whole mall yeah. and that was weird. And I was yeah. like, let me get out of here. Like yeah. this is freaking yeah. me out. That's a big ball for that to be. Yeah. Just cause like you hear the song so many times before it gets released. And then once yeah. it's released, like, and leading up to that, you only hear it like on studio speakers studio or speakers like in, in the, the house, car. In the car yeah. But it's always a situation that you control. And then it happens to be a situation that you don't control. And you're like, oh, I'm being force fed this. This is weird. I've heard it too many times already. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, not this again. And then the problem is you just hear the mistakes that you would <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had that one all the time. It's like I'd be on a date with some girl. And I'd just be like, are you okay? I'm like, this is one of my mixes, the fucking hi hats. So <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking at me like, okay, psych, I'll see you later. Yeah, dude, literally, like, I listen to Gallery all the time. I hear the way that, that we produced it. And I, like, I know the parts that I really dove in on, you know what I mean? Like, and some of the loops that I would program in and above when I hear that. And I'm like, why the fuck would I use that? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck kind of kick drum is that? I was like, where the fuck did you get that? The kick drum sample store? Like, like, what the fuck is that? There's like, a lot of, like, I like the kick drum sample store. Yeah, right? It's good. Like, we do a lot of like random production on the fly too like in a lot of gallery there was like um we were in this basement at the time and there were like a couple ducts running so like sometimes yeah. for percussion you just like hit the duct oh i remember that you did and, that like, you did that for brave enough right brave or enough there's something like there's just running, kind of like happening loops all the banging time on the fucking central air ducts yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then like you hear it in the wild and you're like i know that that's an air conditioning duct but, no but one you don't else know that yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that that's an air conditioning duct <laughs> How about, is there, like, any quote or idea that, like, guides you guys a lot of the time with your music? Whether it's active or not, being that we're from New Jersey and that we could see right through people, it's, like... It's the thing we do. We, we just... Oh, yeah. I think within ourselves, we've just been, like, harbingers of, like, authenticity between us. And it's a funny sort of thing to pursue because, like, there's being creative in a way that's authentic to you. And then there's being creative for the sake of being creative. And so like sometimes when you're down the rabbit hole, you can cross over into that like, hey, this is cool, but like, is it speaking the way that you would speak? Is it like, is it something that you would actually do? Like, it's like if Zach were to wear like a zoot suit <laughs> and be like, yo, this is me, I'm wearing it. And I it's like, it. no, I see that you're wearing it, but like, bro, I know you, you don't wear zoot suits. You know, you know, you know. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's an interesting thing because, like, you know, they talk about like Midwest polite and like what Jersey culture is for people who don't know um, is like you're roasting your friends every time you do something that's not authentic to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And it's like all this area, like Long Island, New Jersey, maybe a little bit of Connecticut. It's like you're just destroying your friends every time they even like experiment like I was just trying this on like just seeing if it was me and they're like, you're like, yeah, like you look like an idiot we'll dude be at, we'll be at H&M and like you know I'll go reach for something and Zach's just like nah, <laughs> nah. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I didn't even see it yet and he's he'll like just, he'll just like hey I'll be holding it and I'll just kind of like see him and I'll be like and looks and he's like it's it's kind of cool right and I look at him and I'm like hmm were you gonna were you were you gonna were you gonna try that on or, or get that and he's like I mean I don't know I mean and I'll be like, hmm, interesting. Interesting. Oh, yeah, I don't know, man. Just like we grew up a good amount of time together. You know, we've known each other since we were pretty young. Dave and I are very young. Nate and you know, Nate and the rest of us probably still since teenage. So like it, it's just like we understand that there's no way to take away the fact that in today's world that we all live in, it, it's not easy to like be 
yourself. Um, you know, obviously every other movement that exists in the world is people trying to be themselves these days. And um, the only thing that I would lend to that subject is that regardless of, of what what it is or what your opinions on that matter is, the fact of the matter is like that shit wouldn't exist if people felt like it was cool to just be themselves, you know? And um, that's because it's the environment we're in, man. The world got smaller. You know, everybody's checking everybody else's feet every fucking day. Everybody's concerned about everything else and everyone else that they forget to check in on who they are. I think that's the best thing about having a group of three guys doing one of the craziest jobs, you know, on our side of the world at least. It's certainly a job that, you know, you can lose yourself pretty quickly in. And we haven't ever because we're just lucky enough to be sort of the rock, you know, in the the ground for each other. And outside of us, too, like, for instance, our touring crew, nobody was a professional beforehand. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? I know that for a lot of people, they're like, don't hire your friends or whatever. But, like, at the same time, it's kept it so 100 Yeah. on the road. Yeah. And, like, because of the kind of friendships that we have, it's like everyone's just risen to the occasion. You know, and then if anyone floats above that to like be a little big headed, it's just like you get knocked at the knees. Yeah. It's a really good way to just make sure that you're you're doing things for the right reason, you know. If you're gonna be yourself, then you have to find the balance between being a professional with what you do and, and making sure that like whatever it is you're doing, you're doing properly. I mean there's certainly a, there's there is a way to interface with life in the world, for sure. There's there's, you know, one or a few ways to do it properly, but there is also integrity in keeping who you are and doing that as well. And that's a difficult balance to find. So um, being surrounded by people that you actually care about and they care about you and that you know them and they know you, that's probably the best part about it. So I think that as things do continue sort of day to day that's always the biggest thing for us is just like, all right, is this, you know, is this fun? Does it feel good? We having fun here? You know, I mean, a shitty day is a shitty day. Work is work. It's a job. But it's like, hey, guys, like, we, we good? You know, like, is it is it is it fun? Is this what you want to be doing? If we're having a good time, you know, if it's, a, if it's a joke, but it's cool and it's creative, then we just do it, you know, and, and that's uh, that's how we keep ourselves on track. And if you ever lose touch of who you are, you just got to ask yourself, Taylor Ham or Pork Roll? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. not even a question you know where I mean? we're from. Come on. Yeah. And if are you, you say, from North Jersey? I'm from Montclair, yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. And, and the yeah. answer is always <laughs> Taylor Ham. Yeah, yeah. Taylor Ham. <laughs> I literally just had this thing like lifelong friend. She said pork roll the other day and she's from up by us. And I was Whoa. like, Contact. I call the rest of the people. In front of the room. She just said pork roll. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. said pork roll. Yeah. Contact deleted. <laughs> yeah. Just go ahead and uninvite me to your fucking funeral. <laughs> 50 years in advance, please. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. I can't wait for the audience to Google this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't at me, fam. How about advice someone, like another musician or someone in the business has given you guys that really helped you? Is there anything there? It's been a pretty wild ride. Yeah. And we've met yeah. a lot of cool people, man. PJ, who we were talking about earlier, who's kind of like our big brother, like... Um, our mentor. Our mentor, yeah. Sorry, I just got to say it. <laughs> I mean, you know, like the Arizona, the band, as far as it's all concerned, is like the three of us, but the crew itself is like five five of us um you know it's us three plus pj who's the guy who kind of taught us everything growing up and now he's the one that sort of helps us make the make the stuff happen as well and then our, our boy jake who's our boy but he's our manager our momager our momager <laughs> yeah but pj once said to me at least this is when i was like super young just learning how to use pro tools and shit you know like i was i don't know like he'd be really particular about the way i was doing shit you know i was a kid and i was pretty pissed off i had a fucked up 
life as a kid. So like I was just trying to make it work as fast and as best I could. You know, he'd be like, yo, wrap these cables. And I'd be like, I wrapped them yesterday. You fucked them up today, though. Like, come on, man. I'm not going to wrap these like every day. You fuck them up, you know, and he wouldn't fuck them up. Like, it's not like he they got scattered across the floor. Like, I'm pretty positive he sat there and tried to make a rubber band ball out of these fucking things because like <laughs> just just for my sake right and like you know I, I would be sitting there and doing that and then i was like wrapping cables and he was like that's not how you wrap them and he showed me how to wrap them you know and then we'd sit down at the at the pro tool session and then we'd start working on something and he'd be like yeah you can't do it this way you have to use this hot key you have to do it this way or do it that way and i'm like yeah but if there's one way to do it why are there actually three ways to do it? He's like, just, he's like, there's there's a million ways to do everything, but just one fucking right way to do it. And the right way sometimes changes. It just depends on the situation. He's like, man, listen, you got to learn this stuff because it's skill. He's like, people your whole life are going to fuck with you, man. He's like, people are going to take your jobs. People are going to take your fucking, your dignity. People are going to take a whole bunch of shit from you that you never thought people had the power to take from you. But the one thing that no one can ever take from you is, is skill and experience. So he's like, learn shit and learn it hard. You know, learn it the right way and internalize it. Don't learn it out of utility. Learn it to keep it with you because it's the only really thing that just the only real thing that you carry with you is, is the shit that you know how to do and things that you you've experienced and been through. So that that's a that's a good one to know. I just hope you aren't one of those guys who was leaving audio one, audio two on tracks. Nah, dog. <laughs> nah, nah. That's not us. That's PJ. <laughs> that's PJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's not us. You guys God, have anything else? Sessions. Oh God. Oh my God. This fuck PJ. If you're listening to this podcast, God, I hate your Pro Tool sessions. They're so bad. <laughs> oh, they're so messy. They're so messy. And like we have it down to a science. Like we we have like all drums of, are pink, bass is red. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's like a color code. There's like every session starts with an ISO code for the date. This is the International Standards Organization. Fam. Pros. Like you know, and there's like an entire structure. And then you'll have like the title of the song and like PJ Rowdy Mix Seven. Yeah, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah. ten sessions that have the format. Yeah, above it, just change the And date. his thing is, he's like, I don't give a fuck. I can't be bothered with that. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, wow. I'm gonna, <laughs> man. I'm gonna, man. I'm gonna punch you right in the kneecap. <laughs> wow. I have to rename all this now. The other good thing, I think, just piggybacking off of that is. The thing about skill, though, is that, like, uh, we've worked on Pro Tools since, like, Pro Tools fucking six. I was graphically auto-tuning. I remember when Melodyne came out. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, same, same. And being, like, yeah, fuck I remember, Melodyne. I, uh, it's too too complicated. We, now, hap- we happened on a TDM system yeah. really early on, and so then I, like, cracked it for five <laughs> Because yeah, it was dude. like it was like this was like before HD, yeah, yeah, yeah and you yeah. had like the AAA cards. Yep, yep. And um, oh, the, yeah. the cap on that was Pro Tools Five. Oh mm-hmm. man! So then like we were like, well, we have the hardware. So like, I mean, basically we own the software. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Let me go find Might a serial well number. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I was there. I was there. <laughs> I just so then when when Melodyne came out, I was like, yeah, it's not. I don't know, you know, whatever. Like I j- I just learned Auto Tune, so like, why am I gonna regret to graphically do the pitch correct? I was like, I just learned that. Why the fuck? No am one I knew how to Melodyne. Use Melodyne when it no, came out. No, because like, it was this brand new everyone. weird thing. Yeah. I, had to watch it. I had to buy a DVD, watch it. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I know. All my friends how to do it, and then we're all figuring it out. And it and it was actually PJ who was just like, you're going to learn that. He's like, because it's going to take me double the time to learn it because I'm older than you. So he's like, you just learn that shit. Trust me, it'll be good for you. Then when, when we started sort of like sticking around with him more and, and he moved out to LA and we moved out to LA and like we were helping him kind of run his studio and day-to-day stuff, like I became, and I hold this title. So if anyone's listening, come fucking challenge me. I'm literally the fastest kid in Melodyne that exists, period. I will Melodyne the 
fuck out of anything, and it will sound better than anyone. If you work at Melodyne, if you developed it, come fucking see me. I will beat you. Like, <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, and, uh-oh, we're and, getting something in the control go. room. Come on, uh-oh. let's go, dude. All day, all day, proudly, proudly. I, I think that that's something that I forgot naturally, and we all do. We, I, I forgot that as I got older, that, like, yes, you're comfortable with what you're good at, but learn new shit learn new shit you are so prone to forgetting that as you get older that you're just like why would i go and if i'm so good at this if i just if i spent my whole life getting good at this why would i learn something new recently we worked in pro as i was saying we worked in pro tools our whole life and just this past couple months i've been picking up ableton you know you people love talking shit about the other thing right and when the pro tools are ableton's for fucking dj kids who don't know shit about stuff and work on laptops it's like that's cool bro are you gonna just continue to procrastinate the fact that there's other ways to do what you're doing out there that could be better, and you're just gonna shut yourself off to it, like you know. Guys, uh, I'm still on cool edit pros. Which so is, I mean, <laughs> yo, Sibelius, <laughs> come on. And um, <laughs> and uh, and and I started working on Ableton recently, and like I've I've realized that like yes, it's cool to learn new stuff, and yes, it's been helping me out in a lot of ways, and yes, it's been it's been this good thing, and it's like yeah, obviously, dude, no shit, you know, go back to school and never never forget that you're never stop you know learning and blah blah. Great. However, the most important thing about that, and I guess this is what I'm saying, is like, dog, it was fun. It's like fun to learn new stuff, especially when you're older, because you realize that, yeah, you've been grinding. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, it's your workflow. But you forget that that's boring. It's not new. It's not stimulating. It's not exciting. You know, so when you're learning new shit within your realm, it's like it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. So and it'll make you better, it makes you sharp. You know, it's like, why don't you learn stuff or know stuff? You know, so it's a it's a good way to keep moving forward and stay ahead of the curve. To that degree, I think also as you keep moving forward, it's good. It's also good to understand the history or the progress like for instance like i used to work in post-production on the on the video side and like nowadays you could pick up final cut pro you could pick up premiere whatever and like kids can edit you can edit on your ipad whatever but like when then, then you hit like a collaborative situation and it's like i don't know how you manage your files mm-hmm. but like there is a standard oh yeah. yeah you know what i mean there is a standard for how you keep everything there's like you know you put a two pop you put you put yeah. the time code at zero, like stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, and it's, it's also a problem, I think, with people that are in the position now that are raising up younger people mm-hmm. is like, you know, it can be a mutually beneficial relationship for you to be able to glean new wisdom from people that are coming up and oh, doing yeah. new things yeah. while also imparting sort of the, the, the standards that have become standards for a reason. Yeah, not mm-hmm. just the what, the why. The why. It's important to know, yeah, yeah, for sure. There it is. Well, shit. Yeah, okay. yeah that's a... So we're, damn. We're close on time, so we we'll to end this one with one with a fun one. Go-to karaoke song? Oh. Hooked on a Hooked feeling. Hooked on a feeling. <laughs> so it depends. Wow. Depends. Ja Rule or what? <laughs> like, if I'm if I'm with my girlfriend, then we're going Endless Love. Okay, All yeah. All right? Well done, well done. But, but I'm taking Diana Ross's parts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Damn. Oh, love. There's only you in my life. Yeah. And then, so here, as a Filipino, karaoke is really intense. Super, t- like you could get killed for it. It's happened. <laughs> it's happened. Just Google that. Oh Someone go Google God. that. But look, our karaoke systems have scoring systems. Really? All right. They give you a score after. And I'm the king of the hundreds because there's a particular technique that you can employ in order to game the system. Don't tell them. I'm not going to tell you what it is, obviously, because I'm the the winner king of the karaoke. I'm karaoke king. But that being said, every song is my go-to song. <laughs> you know, I've actually never Good seen rap. you do karaoke, though. So. 
I don't know how much of a king you can be. To be honest, I've separated this life a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> this sounds like Church sounds like you're trying to back out of uh, karaoke night. I mean, we could. All right, we're going to karaoke tonight. Let's wrap this up so we can cancel everything else today and go do some karaoke. How's that sound? <laughs> right now. Let's go. Thanks to Arizona for coming on What Did I Say? You can find the band on Twitter at simply Arizona or on Instagram at This Is Arizona Music. Our theme is by Max Frost. Thank you for listening. So